Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 2. Verse 31, then we'll end up in Acts 2.38. We probably can all quote our favorite verse there. Deuteronomy 2 and verse, and I want to preach to you for a little while about the great escape. I actually have two titles. You could pick which one you like, the great escape or have you checked your fire escape? So this is a picture I got out of Boston. Yes, I took that picture, but I'll talk more about that in a minute. Let's read together verse 31 of chapter 2 of Deuteronomy. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have begun to give Sihon and his land before thee. Everyone say begun. It's important. And then after God says, I've begun, then he says, begin to possess. Everyone say begin. So he said, I've begun, now you begin. That's really important. That'll show up a little later. That thou mayest inherit his land. And then 32 says that they came out against them and the Lord gave them deliverance and then jumped to verse 36, if you would. Verse 36. Are you there? Say amen. amen. From Aor, or however you say that, which is by the brink of the river of Arnon and from the city that is by the river, even unto Galead, there was not one city too strong for us. Everyone say city too strong. That's important. The Lord our God delivered all unto us. When I first started planting this church, I was like, man, this is such a hard city to break into. And I even kept kind of that thought all the way through, even up until a, a little bit ago. The Lord started dealing me with me a little bit, and he said, is anything too hard for God? Anybody ever have God deal with you like that? And I thought, man, it's just, it's it's rough. There's barriers to breaking in. Acts chapter 2, if you go there, in 30, verse 38. And God told me there's no city too strong for me in that passage. He said, the things that are taking place in the Old Testament are examples for us. And I want you to see that there's nothing too hard for God. Then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. What does baptism do? Remit sins. Amen. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You shall, not might, not maybe, but you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, for the promise unto you and to your children and all, to who, are, all who are afar off. That's us. Someone say, that's us. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call, and he's still calling today, and I'm grateful for it. I want to talk to you a little bit about determination. I want to talk to you a little bit about the escape that God provides for us, and I want to talk to you a little bit about have you checked your fire escape because you have to make sure that you're getting out of here safe. Amen, somebody? All right, let's pray. Jesus, use your word to quicken and touch our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. In buildings like this, they require you to map the exit if there's a fire. Amen. They require you to put a, a map up of how to get out of a building if there is a situation that arises that's an emergency. And I want to ask you, Today, have you ever been in a situation where you felt like your soul was in an emergency? 
where you felt like you had a situation that you couldn't quite get your hands around, your heart around, your mind around, and you went to the Lord and you said, God, this is urgent. And God directed you to his word, to the map that he's given us, this word of God, and he gave you a specific scripture that allowed you to find an exit for a situation you were going through. Have you ever been there? I'm grateful for the map of the word of God. I'm grateful that he allows me to check my exits on a regular basis. And I'm grateful for the fact that God instilled in me early on as a young man that if I would be determined, that he would anoint my determination if I kept what I willed within his will. Someone say amen. So I began to seek the Lord with all my heart at a very young age. I realized that God wanted me to do something and I didn't quite know what it was and I didn't know that it would turn out like this. I didn't know we'd be here five years in and thank God for all of that. And this is not my work, this is his work, amen. But in the sense of understanding that God has a will for my life, I realized that he has the power to lead me and to guide me into that will if I will place my desire where he wants my desire and by doing so and making myself available to God and letting everything else be shed away like take all the baggage the luggage I brought into my relationship with God did not matter didn't matter what kind of home I came from didn't matter what kind of background I brought into it at all you know whenever God called me at right around 16 17 years of age sometimes I think I remember it's 18 but I'm not sure it might have been a little earlier I just remember the scene where I was at because that's how my brain works I'll remember what clothes you wore and where we met, but I'll, I might not remember your name. That's just how my brain works. But sometimes whenever I look back on those that moment where I cried a tear at an altar and I gave my life, surrendered to God, he didn't ask me what my pedigree was. He didn't ask me what my background was. He didn't ask me what skills I brought to the table. He just said, are you willing to be determined enough to go after what I have for your life? And when he anointed me and I felt the Holy Ghost fall on me, I I felt a divine determination for what God wanted to do with my life fall on me. And when that happened, I knew I was in sync with the Spirit of God for my life. And from that day forward, anytime I feel a little funk, anytime I feel a little bit like I'm confused, I can find my way to an apostolic altar, get on my knees, and I can pray my way into his will. And I can pray my determination into a tailored place where my determination fits his divine determination for my life. And that's where I know I'm divinely determined in him. I'm telling you that there is more than just one YouTube video about determination. How many know that's true? There's more than one guru out there you can listen to that will give you life encouragement. I had one person I was working with, talking to him about the Lord, and he wanted to go to his phone and show me all the things that encourage him in the morning. And it was another preacher. It was an admixture of different ads and articles and different things that had great words, but great words only carry you so far you need the anointing of the Holy Ghost on your life someone say amen 
And so what I found out is you can have a pep talk. You can even have a shot in the arm with motivational speaking. You can build yourself up with self-help videos and do all kinds of working out to give yourself a better physique and make yourself feel better about yourself. But the greatest thing you'll ever find is when you absolutely lose yourself in a desire to live for God and see his determination in your life. When you see God give you a destination you could never reach on your own. You can never get there by yourself. You have walked into a place where you have to have divine determination. So you don't get there without desire. Desire breeds desperation. Desperation breeds determination. And determination breeds a declaration of God on your life. And when God declares a word, it has to happen. I, I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> Someday when we get to heaven, Matthew gives us a picture of what it's going to be like when we're faithful servants, amen? And we stand before the Lord. And when our determination to live for God with all our hearts gets us to the other side like Sister Elaine Felke and we stand in front of the Lord, he is going to take our determination that he anointed with his power and might to get us there. And he's going to make a declaration over our life. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But there's not only a declaration at the end. There are declarations throughout our life that I want him to speak over me. And in order for him to do that, it might take a little bit of pain to push through to his purpose. It might take a little struggle for me to find the strength I need to see the Savior make good in my life. It might take some effort, amen, somebody, to see the effective work in each one of our lives. I promise you that having a fire escape is important. That getting out of this thing with our lives saved, sanctified, and set free is important. But I noticed in Boston that they didn't make room for the fire escape on the inside of the building. And I thought to myself, man, those are ugly. Talk about making a nice building look horrible. These beautiful brown stones and beautiful brick buildings built way back in the 1800s and they got to slap something ugly like that on the outside. Because see, the problem was there was no staircase inside to get to every location so they had a fire escape. So they had to make them on the outside. And when they built them, they built them to last. Someone say amen. I'm glad my fire escape is built to last. I'm glad Jesus' cross is good enough in 2016 as it was in the day of Pentecost. Amen, somebody. But you have to be determined. And so what I did is I took a picture. And I said, honey, can you make this my title slide? And boy, did I get some grief. She's like, this is a horrible picture. This picture doesn't work. It's got bad lighting. It's not even good for anything. I could put words down there, but they'll never see them. So she had to create this black banner underneath just so you could see the title. And I began to think about the fact that they put them on there and then they leave them there. They don't take them down. They don't worry about how ugly they look. They don't worry about who's looking at them. I want you to know that there are some things that just have to be set and left there. Amen, somebody.
You need to know in who you believe. You need to know the God of your salvation. And you need to know how to be saved. So I read Acts 2.38 on our fifth anniversary that I'm very happy about today. And I don't have to preach myself happy because I came to church happy. Amen. I'm glad that we got a water baptism tank now. I'm glad that we're going to baptize people in Jesus' name. I'm glad we got a watery grave. I'm glad to stand before you on the fifth anniversary and read Acts 2.38 that Peter preached, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm glad that message still means something to me. I'm glad it's not too watered down. I'm glad someone didn't take the fire escape off the side of the church. Amen, somebody? I'm glad I still had a window to get out. Amen. My situation was desperate. I needed God. I had a desire and I needed God greatly. And every time I go back to this scripture, I'm reminded again that I got out and that on my way out, I need to find anybody on the way out. If we got to go out a door, we got a door. If we got to go out a window, we're going to go out a window. But I'm thankful that when we get to the edge of the building, when we get to the end of our life, that there's something there for us to get through and God's got a great escape for us. And someone said, man but it's not just at the end of our life it's every time we come to worship because God said if I be lifted up I'll draw all men unto me so he's got a great escape every single Sunday for us he's got a great escape every time you step into his presence you can leave your situations behind then you can just walk into God's glory and say God I have a day to do later on but if you just let me be in your presence right now and while you're in his presence he heals you and touches you that's powerful amen but it takes determination to spend time in God's presence because life's busy. And the enemy will try to strip away your walk with God by just taking one piece at a time. You don't need that. You don't need this. Pretty soon, you're so busy that God gets pushed out. And I don't want anybody to say amen there because I know what it's like myself to get too busy. And I want you to know that it's a fight. You gotta fight to keep some things in place, amen? You gotta be determined, that determination has to find its way into your walk with God. Babe Ruth said it's impossible to defeat a person who refuses to quit. I like Babe Ruth. He's a, he's a great baseball player, but he, he didn't really have the corner on the market. Houdini, remember, anybody remember Houdini? He'd walk into any city and he'd, he'd level a challenge. He said, you put me in any jail you want to, I will get out of that jail, I'll pick the lock, and I will get out, and I will do it easily. So finally, he came to a place where they decided they were going to test him. And they put him in, but they, they just, you know, they just gave him what he decided he was going to have. And so he had a belt that had some metal pieces in it. He took his belt off, took the metal pieces out. He went to working on the door. And pretty soon, you know, he, they figured, oh, he'll probably be five minutes. They started working, and he's getting the sweat. And pretty soon, he's starting to get embarrassed. Fifteen minutes in, he can't get the door unlocked. Twenty minutes in, he can't get the door unlocked. Now he's in full perspiration. He's taking all the clothes off he can take without taking off the essentials. And he's working away on this door. And finally, about 45 minutes in, he gives up. He says, I can't do it and he falls over against the door and he hits the latch and the door falls open the door was never locked but he thought it was locked and so I've come to preach to you today that there are some doors you might think are locked, but God's already opened them with the power of the blood and the cross. And if you just go in Jesus' name and test the door, you might find out it's been open for you all the time. Amen, somebody. So I started studying people who had determination. And it's quite amazing. It's quite amazing the people that did great things without any help, it seems, from the Lord. Ludwig van Beethoven, you ever heard of him? He's never preached at our church. 
but he's an amazing man. Five years old, he played the violin. He was amazing enough to play the violin skillfully at five years old. At 13 years old, he was a concert organist. Everyone say 13 years old. That's amazing. At 20 years old, he studied under Haydn and Mozart. And Haydn and Mozart said, this young man will make music for the world to listen to. Not his generation to listen to. For the world to listen to. They knew the gift that was in him. He wrote nine majestic symphonies. Thank you, brother. Am I struggling? That's all right. I don't care. I'll keep preaching until you guys go home. And then I'll have cake by myself if I have to. No, just kidding. Nine majestic symphonies, five concertos for piano. He wrote all kinds of chamber music for piano and violin. How many know who Beethoven is? He's a man that outlived his age. And while the world applauds his accomplishments of determination, he gave us music that spans all generations. In his 20s, you may not know this, in his 20s, he began to lose his hearing. You might have heard the story. He said of his own accord and of his own recording, they said that he began to lose his feelings in his fingers in his mid-20s. This is Beethoven, who wrote symphonies that we listen to. He said his fingers became thick and couldn't feel the music that he was playing. That was Beethoven. The man we think is amazing. By age 50, he was stone deaf. By age 50. He wrote some of the most amazing pieces while he was deaf. We celebrate his music without knowing his struggle. How many know that struggle makes you stronger? How many know that your pain, if you live through it, you'll find greater purpose? Jesus saying, let this cup pass from me, found greater purpose by his determination to stay and go to the cross. Amen, somebody. I find determination in this man's life amazing. And this is why. This blew my mind. At the age of 50, completely deaf, he cuts the legs off his piano and he sets it on the floor so that he could play music and write music according to the vibrations as he laid on the floor in front of his piano. That's called desire. That's called desperation. That's called living something you love. Somebody say amen. So he laid on the floor to feel the vibrations of the music. And it was reported that in his late 50s, someone walked in on him and found him in the distress of the moment of trying to write music. As he laid on the floor, he was pounding with both fists on the piano, screaming, I will take life by the throat. That is Beethoven's story. You may not know it because his music is so amazing. It would seem he had all his faculties. But he wrote music when he hardly could feel it. He could not hear it. And by age of 50, he was even blind. He could not see it. He could not hear it. And he could barely feel it. But we celebrate him to this day. If a man with that kind of determination can make some of the greatest music the world has ever been able to hear by being, even though he was deaf, what can the church do full of the Holy Spirit? 
What can the church do with God Almighty as his head? I tell you, I've been working with a friend of mine doing this thing called eye care. I just found out about an barbiturate that if you get a pin drop of it, it'll kill you. It is being cut and put into all kinds of drugs right now and being sent throughout schools. It's a new level of heroin. It's the next level. It's a mess. And people are already on so many drugs that we were trying. We started this thing called I Care five years ago. We've given money back to the community. We've spent more time. We've had, we've had foot races. We've had color runs. We've had all kinds of stuff go on. We've had more than 200 people at a color run that we set up in order to make, raise money. All the funds went back into the community. And we were trying to build a way of, of bringing an awareness to people of the trauma and the difficulties that are going on in our high schools and these students that are getting involved because of depression or whatever else they're seeking a way out and they turn to drugs and it is desperate. It's a desperate situation. I want you to know that our world is on fire, brothers and sisters. There is things that they cannot handle on their own. Homes are being destroyed. Our world is burning down. And today my heart heart is hurt because I know we have a message that can give them a great escape if we could just get it to them. Amen, somebody. Flames of addiction are raging, leaving ash heaps of destruction. And the loss was so unnecessary in so many lives that we started this organization. And we're trying our best to do something with the help of God. But I want you to know that there's nothing like when God steps in and changes a life. If they had somebody to recommend, they could be changed. I, I don't know about you, but I think those stand out pretty bad, don't you? In order to be a fire escape for somebody else, you have to stand out. You can't fit in and stand out at the same time. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be in the elements of life. You're going to be in a place that doesn't seem to fit very well. But when the time comes and when desperation sets in and when someone needs an escape from a disaster, really that's all the cross was. Was God recovering the disaster of loss that we were to him? And he came back and he gave us a great escape. Somebody say amen. And so if he gave us an escape, we're no different than anybody else that deserves it. He died for everybody. We not only need to be a person that knows how to get out at the end of life and in the days of struggle, but we need to be a person that knows how to point the way for somebody else to get out. I know it's not easy to stand out. I know it makes you uncomfortable, but would you please take that great escape you've been privileged with and take it to a soul that has a life that's burning down all around them. Amen, somebody. I, I have to talk to you as a pastor. I don't normally yell this much. I don't know why I'm so passionate today, but I'm excited. I live in Brookfield. It's cushy in Brookfield. Everything you want in Brookfield. God's blessed me with a nice car. Thanks, Nate, for crashing it. I fixed it. Now I drive a nice car. He ran into a pole. I fixed it. Now I get to drive it for free. It's great. Praise God. He's got a Beamer now. I'm waiting for him to crash. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. That's a real bad omen. Don't say that. I'll go find my own Beamer, brother. That's okay.
live in a nice place. Everything you want is nearby. Sometimes we get home and we want to cook dinner and everything's so close, you just go get dinner. You don't even cook it anymore because everything's just so available. And I've gotten, I found myself in a place where I'm too comfortable. Can I be real? I'm so real here that sometimes I think it bothers some people, but if I'm not transparent, God can't honor it. Amen. He only anoints the authentic. Mm, we'll preach that another day. So I found myself at times having to go to a prayer closet and struggle with the Lord because I've become so comfortable in all the ease of life. And I'm not desperate enough for souls around me. I'm not desperate enough for the guy working next to me. I'm not desperate enough for the young lady behind the counter at the gas station. I'm not desperate enough for people that don't know the escape that I have. They look at my life and they see the things I have to go through and they see the work that we have to do and they see the struggles and the difficulties and they say, why are you so level? How is it that you're so able to handle all of this stuff that's been put on you? The pressure is great. I see it. I know you have it. How are you getting through this? And they don't know that every Sunday I come here and bow a knee, I offload the weak in the hands of the Lord. I can't control some things. You can't either. But thank God we have a God who has hands big enough to handle it. Amen? Amen, somebody. So I, I, I come here on a weekly basis and I offload it, but I found out that I'm just not desperate enough anymore. And I've, given, I've asked God to give me a, a fresh anointing of desperation because I want him to declare revival on this church. And we can't have some things if we're not desperate for it. If I'm okay with coming to church without filling my car with people that need to know their way out, then why don't I... Why don't I feel that in my spirit? Like there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a way for somebody else. I, I called a friend and he's not here today, but he will be. I called a friend and I said, hey, you're welcome. You know, I'm off my sermon. I'm sorry. But whenever I find people that need Jesus, all you got to do is do like Jesus did. Come and see. Just tell them, come and see. Come and see the, what the Lord would do. And, and God will honor that and he'll touch their heart. So where were we at? Fire escapes hanging off of buildings. You're going to have to stand out, amen? Okay, now I'm back to my notes. Deuteronomy, yes. Deut thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's how you know they are there, somebody. It's because they're so ugly, you can't miss them. <laughs> I'm not calling you guys ugly. Don't get me wrong. Don't read into this. You have to stand out, but you don't have to be ugly doing it, okay? But you're not made to fit in. You're designed to be different. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 talks about no temptation taking you, but that which is common to man. We're tempted, but God makes a way of escape. Everyone say way of escape. So he makes a way of escape, and he wants you to be the person that people know that has that way of escape, that when they're desperate, they can turn to you. How many know people know it already? They can sense it on you. They know that you have a way of escape. Deuteronomy 14.2, I'm going to call you peculiar for a little while. Is that all right? For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee. I'm glad I'm chosen. How about you? To be a peculiar people. To be different. Actually, it means to be God's people. To be special. People unto himself. Above all the nations and upon the earth that are upon the earth. Well, that's Old Testament. I don't know that I like being called peculiar. Okay, let's go to the New Testament. First Peter 2 and 9. 
Let's grab that. First Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. Oh, there it is again. We were doing so good. I like that chosen generation stuff. I like that royal priesthood stuff. I like that holy nation stuff. I like not being common. I think God's awesome when he chooses us and, and, and chooses us and brings us up. But he's calling me a peculiar people. He wants you to stand out. Someone said, amen. That ye should show forth what? The praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Your ability to show people the way out is based upon how much you stand out. I don't like that verse, Pastor. Can you get, you got an, thanks for asking. I'll give you another. Titus 2 and 4. Titus 2 and 4. This is a good verse. Who gave himself for us. Aren't you glad about that? Became our substitute that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Thank you, God, for being my redeemer. And purify unto himself. A, well, here we go again. A peculiar people, zealous of good works he keeps on throwing this in there you have to stand out my friends you have to stand out my brothers and sisters or else others will not know where the escape is for their life when they're looking for jesus because you might be the only jesus they've ever seen as what you are living out in front of them and i want you to know that america may not be as desperate as they need to be anymore but you can help them by being desperate in your prayer life desperate in your need for god and while you're living it in front of them them, they'll wonder why are they living a life of blessing while I'm sitting here miserable maybe they have something I need and you can help them out of what they're going through even if they don't know how to get out amen somebody desire leads to desperation which leads to determination the divine touches it Bible says that he'll give us the power and the desire and the Bible talks about him being able to give us the will to do and I'm grateful for that. The Holy Ghost falls on your, on your life and gives you divine direction. I think about Jacob whenever he was wrestling with the angel. And now I, I brought a staff with me. Is that okay? We're going to have a staff meeting later. I figured I'd have a staff meeting right now. Uh, my jokes are corny. Sorry about that. If you don't like corny jokes, you'll have to find a different pastor because my jokes are really corny. They'll probably improve when I get 60 or something like that. But... Jacob, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I like corny jokes, so. Jacob, he wrestles with an angel. Now, Jacob has an issue, okay? Jacob, I'll give you the story. Jacob convinces his brother that he needs to give him his birthright. His brother comes out of the field. How many know the story of Jacob and Esau? His brother comes out of the field. He's been hunting for a long time. He has no meat, has no venison, has nothing to eat. He's famished, okay? So he walks up to his brother. His brother's making some good soup, like Sister Carla makes. I don't know. <laughs> she makes some mean soup. That was a prophetic word. I didn't know for sure. I just spoke it in Jesus' name. And so his brother's making some mean soup. I mean, mad skills on the soup, okay? He walks up and he says, can I have something to eat? And Jacob says, give me your birthright. Wow, that escalated quickly. Give me your birthright. <laughs> Hold on, bowl of soup, birthright. How does this not compute that that's not a good trade? 
But Esau was so hungry, he said, what's the birthright good to me? In fact, Esau, I think, knew that he was the firstborn, so therefore a birthright could not be transferred because of his lineage. He, he was going to be the firstborn whether he said okay or not to that bull. So I don't think he actually knew that his brother would be beguiling enough and be a, a supplanter enough to go in and get the blessing of his father on his head whenever he was uh, sitting there having a bowl of soup. He's like, there's no way. I'm a hairy man. You're a smooth man. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So yeah, give me the beans. I'll, I'll trade you for my birthright. I kind of think that's what was going on in Esau's mind. I don't know Esau, but you know, maybe someday we'll, we'll all know the truth. But So this is what's going on. So Jacob is actually now many years down the road, he's finding out that his brother's pursuing him, and he's thinking, oh man, he's going to recover everything he's lost, he's going to kill me, he's going to take my life, and so he crosses over a brook, and he spends his time on the other side of the brook with this angel, fighting with this angel, and this angel that he's wrestling with needs to leave at daybreak, and he won't let him go. You know the story, right? So he's wrestling with him because he has determination, and because he's desperate, amen? And, he, and the angel says, let me go. And he says, I will not let you go till you bless me. Have you ever been in that place before where you're like, God, I cannot let go of this till it gets a blessing. And so he gets blessed. And the Bible says that before he gets blessed, that the angel touches his thigh and he puts his hip out of socket. Anybody ever have a hip out of socket? That is some of the most amazing pain in the world. And the Bible not only says that, but it says that it shrunk the sinew. So that whenever, even if he got it back into the socket, his sinew had shrunk. So he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. In other words, God marked him for the changes that he wanted to make in him. Hello, somebody. He didn't change what he was altogether until he had touched his life with something that changed how he walked. Amen. And so Jacob, it didn't matter. He had a, I think he had a stick the rest of his life that he walked with possibly. But in that walk, it doesn't matter who saw him. doesn't matter what he looked like. doesn't matter what people thought of him limping around. He had the blessings of God on his life. I don't care what circumstances you're in. I don't care what people think about you. If you have the anointing of God on your life, that is all you need. You keep walking. You might have to limp through some things in life. You might have some things you have to fight that others don't know anything about or how they even got there but just keep on walking Jacob because you know that God blessed you over your blessings are the pro the problems that you have are greater or the never mind <laughs> my brain was working on a whole different sentence right there <laughs> and I I was like I'll get to that sentence in a minute I'll get to that sentence in a minute what I was trying to say is he was having trouble walking but he's still walking he was having problems but he still had purpose and if you don't know that God might put you in pain to bring you through it to make you better God will make the gym of life mess you up have you ever been in the gym too long ever get it in your head that I'm going to get in shape you haven't lifted anything for a while and you get in there and you're just And you're going nuts, and you're working them legs. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get fit. Man, look at that thing. It's already cutting. It's cutting. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm going to be walking in like, clank, clank, here comes the tank. I'm going to be awesome when I get done here. And then you get up on Monday morning and try to go to work, and you're like, <laughs> you're not Jacob, but you need a staff. You know, it's like, dear Lord, help me. What did I do to myself? 
<laughs> my mind was more determined than my body, amen? And my body's just slapping me around all day Monday like you fool. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go up those stairs. <laughs> no, you don't. You're going to take the elevator because you don't have enough good sense not to work me that hard. So you're like walking around and joints don't work. You're falling into furniture because you can only get this far and then your muscles give out and you just fall into the chair. All of this is going on because you had a whole lot of determination, but you'd never done that before. I ask you this. I ask you this. If, if it's good for you, God wouldn't put it in your life. I mean, if it was bad for you, God wouldn't put it in your life. If it's good for you, he'll give it to you. And so I want you to know that there's been a lot of things I've had to go through and you've had to go through and you've had to go through and you, oh yeah, and you brother and oh yeah, absolutely. I'm pointing right now, I know. And you, all of us have been through things that we wish God wouldn't have put us into. But when we came out the other side, you will stand and look back and say, it was good for me to have suffered that. It was good for me. And you will never walk the same for the rest of your life with God. But the change in your walk will be a testimony to the beauty of what God has done in you. I find strength sometimes in the fact that you're here, obviously. I love you all very much. I love that this church is five years old today. But there's been times where I got there with a staff and with a limp. You don't know my internal conflicts. I don't know your internal conflicts. I don't know what you go through on a week-to-week -week basis. Some of them I do. But I'm praying for you that even if you have to limp through a week, that you keep going and you never give up. Don't quit. If you have to put the piano on the floor and bang on it and say, I will take life by the throat, you go ahead and just take life by the throat. You just shake it a little bit. I'm not going to let the difficulties of my life determine my, my desperation for God. Amen? And then finishing this, that's nice. I like having a, 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 an altar or a platform that I can stomp on when I get excited and it reverberates. God is good. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that just makes me happy. Gym analogy, we did that already. Why don't we think, why do we think it's not going to work? I, I'll give you a revelation, okay? Let's go to Deuteronomy 2 and we'll finish. Deuteronomy 2. He's begun, we must begin. Let's go one place before we do that. Let me find it. I'm looking through my notes. I want my life to be blessed by God so much that others see it. Deuteronomy 2 is where we're at trying to find the location I just think that I won't find it because I didn't put the reference in here so let me just tell it to you there's a place in scripture where God's talking to David and David encourages himself sometimes the greatest miracle you can get from God is to speak to yourself to talk yourself right out of it amen I mean out of the thing that you're going through not talk yourself out of it like I give up I quit I'm not going to do it not that talk yourself out of it the other one but, oh, I really want to share this. Let's go to um, Psalms 42, verse 5. Nate, I want to share this with you. This is something that the Lord gave me whenever I was feeling discouraged. Is that all right? And then we'll be done, and I'll finish with Deuteronomy 2. 
Why art thou cast down, O my soul? We're going to read all the way down through this. And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Everyone say, hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Everyone say, help of his countenance. The reason why some people are so confused when God's hand isn't working for them is because they're not seeking his face. There's a huge difference in the word of God about countenance and the hand of God. The word countenance, when it's used as an adverb here, means to be before you and behind you. It means to surround you. When you seek God's face, he surrounds you with care. He, he surrounds you with compassion. He surrounds you with help. And so he says, the help of his countenance, the help of his surrounding in my life. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the, the Hermonites and all these other people. Deep calleth unto deep and the noise of thy water spouts all, the wa the, all thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Why are we reading this yet? He says, this is David's way of saying that all these things are taking place. And he says, yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. Everyone love God's loving kindness. I want that in my life. And in the night, his song shall be with me. Amen. How many know that God has a song? Did you know that God has a song that can be with you? That's awesome. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock. He says he's my foundation. He's my song. He's my loving kindness. Why hast thou forgotten me? He asks the question. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? Why am I mourning? Why am I grieving the changes in my life and the, the oppression of the difficulties of things going on? That's the application for us. And then he says, as with a sword in my bones, it's like a dagger to me. My enemy, my enemies reproach me while they say, while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? They're taunting him about where's your God? Has your God worked for you? Where's his hand? Is he, why isn't he moving for you? I, I missed you. Why isn't there revival? Why aren't my kids living for God? Did I find you there? Why art thou cast down? Now, so he says it again. This is the second time. Now watch this. David goes through all these different things. He declares what God is to him. He shows his desire for living for God. He says, my enemies are saying, where's God's hand? And now watch, he repeats the same statement he started with. But watch the change. And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. That's all the same. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. He went from understanding that when you seek God's face, God is the help of, your, of his countenance. He has help, but he is your health to your countenance. Whenever you seek God for help and you seek his face, he becomes the health to your life. Amen? He becomes the health to your spiritual life. So when you search for him, he surrounds you. He is the, David encourages himself just by these words. He said, he's the help the help of his countenance I'll seek so that it touches me to be the health of my countenance so that I can be healthy and whole and live for God with all that I have. David does another one. He's just 
Psalms 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. David, what's your son got to say about it? Oh, Solomon says great things about it. He says in Proverbs 24, 16, the godly man trips seven times, but they will get up again. But, it, but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. That's interesting. I wonder what happens if we had revival in Brookfield and God seems to show up, but then there's things that doesn't seem to have revival written on them. If we'll just keep seeking God's face, He'll bring revival. He'll bring hope. He'll bring health to the countenance. He'll bring health to this church. He'll surround us with great things. I'm grateful for that. I don't know about you, but these are all the things that have gone through my heart and my head in five years, and I will be determined and desperate for the things that God wants for this house of God. It will happen. Do you know that? Do you? If you know that, because determination causes that. So let's talk to Pete, 2 Peter 3, 9. Hey, Pete, what do you think about it? Holler at me. Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish. Everyone say, not willing that any should perish. He's not willing for that, but that all should come to repentance. What does Paul say about it? Hey, Paul, 1 Corinthians 2 and 2. It says, for I determined to know, to know anything among you, or I've determined to know nothing. Everyone say, determination. Paul was determined to know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He doesn't want, the scripture says that God doesn't want any to perish. Paul says, I'm determined to know nothing save Christ and him crucified. I want out of this thing, but I'm going to preach Christ so others can get out. They need a great escape, amen? There's no escape like our God. There is no escape like our God. Jesus is the great escape. So then Peter tells us and warns us that we should preach Jesus Christ. In verse number one, it says in Second Peter 2 and 1, it says, But there was false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring a damnable her heresy, even deny the Lord that, brought the that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. For as many shall follow the pernicious ways for as many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of and there and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast themselves down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah and eight persons, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly. This is our example of what ungodly living will do. It destroys your life and delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy conversations of the wicked. I don't care how dark the world gets. There's still a light, amen? We still have to live a godly life in front of everyone so that they know that there's right righteous men and women who know the way out of a very dark and disastrous world. Amen, somebody. And for the righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul for the day 
for the day to day that their unlawful deeds, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Someone said, amen. He has a great escape for us. He knows how to deliver us and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. And he goes on to say so many more things, but I'm just grateful that I made it out alive. I feel like Paul today speaking to King Agrippa, and I want to ask somebody, have you been there? Have you ever been at the moment of decision where you see somebody standing in front of you and they're about to make a decision that could forever change their life and you're showing them the way out and you're like the building's on fire your life is burning down just get out any way you can get out but I want to show you the best way to get out take your family with you take your valuables with you and it's funny to me that sometimes people look at the fire escape and know I'll take my chances in a burning down life and I ask you today are you desperate enough to take them by the hand and say you have a choice I know but let me show you the way out I'm not just going to live it in front of you I'm going to grab a hold of you and we're going to walk out together have you ever been in a place where you felt like you needed to lead somebody out I, I personally watch people on a day-to-day -day basis as they get in situations that are so desperate that they don't know a way out and if they just give God a moment, he would make it all right. He would make it work. There's a story of a million dollar per individual, a person with lots of money that was on the Titanic. And as the ship was going down, they ran back to their cabin to grab the things that are valuable in the midst of disaster. And they passed by million dollar jewelry and they passed by the, the heirlooms of the family because they knew they could only take certain things. And they grabbed the bowl of fruit and they shoved it in a little bag and they ran out to the lifeboats because disaster was on them. And when you have disaster in your life and when you have disaster that you see in people's lives, their value systems completely change. And while they're reassessing their values, if you're standing there with the way out, you can forever change their eternity. Because they may not know the way out. Picture a loved one right now. Picture a family member right now. Picture somebody that you care about greatly. Maybe in a very difficult situation. I have social media just like you do. And I watch people that don't know Acts 2.38. They don't know how to live for God. I'm telling you, I've got a prophetic word for this church today. Hear me. God said in Deuteronomy 2 that he has begun. And the Old Testament is our example. The Old Testament is our example. What they did in the Old Testament is for us. And I know I'm long-winded, but I'm finishing with this prophetic word in our fifth year is this I feel like God gave me this that in verse 31 he says he tells the people of Israel I have begun to give you Sihon the land before thee begin to possess it some of you are in this room right now and you feel God has begun something new in your life and God is saying I've begun it now it's up to you to possess it I've started it now I'm going to help you to be a partner in finishing it I've begun something that's so great that you can't do it without my help.
but I wanted to show you that I've begun. And in this fifth year and in your life, wherever you are right now, I believe this is a prophetic word for you. God's begun something new for you right now on this day, in this life, and in your life, and in this church. God has begun something new. And when he's begun it, he's not waiting for us to sit on the side and just wait for it to come to pass. He's saying, I've begun, now you begin to go after it. Take your desperation, take your determination, and go after it and conquer what I've given you as a promise. And you shall possess what God has given to you for a promise. Someone say amen. And then in verse 36, I close with this. You can stand with me. Thank you so much for being here today. I know that God has blessed this church so greatly in the relationships that we have. You have to help each other. We have to be there for each other. That's true. But sometimes we need a change of thinking. And God changed my thinking on something. I'm no longer going to say this city's hard to win. And if I ever hear you say something where you're like, I had a Bible study and I had this and it just seems like there's so few people that want God anymore. I don't know if you saw just two, three weeks ago, they turned Times Square into a worship service. Matt Marr turned Times Square in New York into a worship service. So if you tell me there's so few people that want the Lord anymore in our dark and sinful day, I'll say, well, there's a few. There's somebody that wants it. I'm going to bring an escape to somebody's life, amen? I'm going to bring a change because of what changed me. And so from now on, I'm never going to say it's too hard. If I feel it coming up where my, I feel like, man, it's just such a struggle. I just don't know why I'm, feel, I'm feeling like it's so difficult. I'm going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 36. Where it, says, where it says there was not one city too strong for us the Lord our God delivered all unto us I believe that that's a word for us today he's begun so we must begin and cities in your life could mean a relationship recovered it could mean a marriage renewed He's given all to us, amen. So the physical situations that are taking place there represent spiritual examples to us in the New Testament and in this church. And I pray that God gives me the verbiage and the language to always speak in a way that doesn't say it's too hard. Sorry if I've ever made anything too hard for you. Sorry if I've ever made any difficulties in the sense of making it sound like it was too hard to live for God. I apologize for that because God changed my thinking on that. Is it okay if God changes a preacher's thinking? I believe it's easy to live for God if you want to. It's easy to live for God if you live for him with all your heart, amen? And this whole next year, we're gonna, our theme, we're, we're about to share it with the whole team in a meeting coming up right after this, pray for us. But our whole theme next year is about the heart, getting the heart right getting discipleship, getting things whole, making ourselves what God wants us to be, living for him with everything we've got because we don't have long, brothers and sisters. We're about to get a trumpet sound and we're about to get out of here. Time is coming and it's close and we're seeing it. And after November 2nd or November whatever it is, 
coming up. Thank you. I already voted. I voted on November 2nd. For, so for me, it was November 2nd. After whatever happens there, we're going to find out how close it really is, I think. I don't know. But it's not going to be, I don't care who gets in. It's still going to be easy to live for God because I'm sold out. I've already, I already known the God in who I believe. Amen. Lift your hands and let's just love the Lord together. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you taught us today a prophetic word that would go before us, God. Would you right now give a vision to somebody of what you've begun in their life? A new day, a new start, a fresh beginning, a, a new relationship restored with a child, a beginning of a fresh relationship with someone new pass behind us, cross before us right now in the name of Jesus do what you can do Lord what only you can do take away any thought process that this is too hard this is too difficult this is something that's too big of a struggle because we're going to grow through this we're going to see great things happen because we were determined in Jesus name help somebody today to change their future Anoint them with divine determination, I pray. Divine determination. I pray and I baptize this place with a fresh determination and a fresh desperation for souls. In Jesus' name. And if you'll receive some of that, would you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's seek the Lord for just a minute.